I'm Olivia, and I love pop culture. I read what's popular, I watch what's being talked about, and I pretty much exclusively read fiction. I'm Jesse, and I have a PhD in rhetoric and composition. My scholarship is centered in history and feminist rhetoric. I'm basically always reading at least four books, and they're all nonfiction. When we're together, we love to talk about everything bouncing around in our brains, whether that's the latest celebrity scandal or how ancient philosophers influence women's rights. Our topics weave in and out from who's hot to inequities in our communities and their roots in patriarchy. Our conversations get wacky, but they're all feminist at heart. Well, they're feminish. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Olivia. It's the new year, and we're starting season two of Feminist. It is 2024. 20. Season two. 24. What a time. Doesn't it feel, I think you even posted this graphic where it was like anything prior to 2000. It's like 2016 is actually 2012 to like 2020, and then 2020 to 24 is the plague. And then anything before 2016 is like nostalgia. Yes, but isn't it weird like how 2016 feels like oh yesterday a, a year ago yeah it's like oh that was just you yeah. know in 20 uh i was i was actually thinking about this because i recently went all the way through my instagram to try to find my first instagram post mm-hmm. oh um from 2011 or 2012 you brave soul i and, get too much cringe and it was uh it was really entertaining it took a very long time to scroll and i wasn't even looking at m- most things but i but i found a post from 2018 when i we went to the Renaissance Festival and I got really jazzed yeah. about spinning and I took a yeah. Atlanta Spinners Guild. That was class. really fun. I really I, like, enjoyed spun some wool and I it was funny. It's cute because I just bought myself a spindle. So this is I'm like I'm coming full circle and I'm like, oh, I did that. <laughs> but I'm like, I did that like how long ago it was 2018? Oh my to me it's like, oh, gosh. it was one or two years ago. No. But I think I told you also my cousin's daughter, who was born in twenty in two thousand two, she just turned twenty-two. Oh no, how dare she? <laughs> it feels a little that feels aggressive how to me. How dare she? So I was born in nineteen ninety, which means my age is the year. Yeah, you're always you can do easy math. Yeah. So like twenty sixteen, I know I was twenty-six and I'm thirty-three now. So it's like that is like a different me. Like mm-hmm. that that girl is is doing something else. But I love New Year energy. I mm-hmm. love it. I'm like, great. I got a new journal. We're like, mm-hmm. like doing scrapbooking slash like journaling. I've got resolutions. Well, let me stop you because you asked me like, do you yeah. have resolutions? Are you That's a resolution I person? Yep. And I was like, I want to talk about it on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I will not be answering this question. So do you have resolutions? I don't normally have resolutions, but every year I get reinvigorated by notebooks. <laughs> Oh my gosh, something magical. About and it. so I want to put a pin in that because we were talking on, about on her. Well, yeah, because if you'll remember the full, the whole first mm-hmm. season, I took all notes, if I took notes at all for mm-hmm. the podcast on my iPad and I was mm-hmm. writing them in Notion. And I do think I work really well that way, but there's mm-hmm. something I'm enjoying about slowing down and yeah. writing some stuff. I'm mm-hmm. even working on a chapter right now and I'm like writing notes yeah. about it in a physical notebook and mm-hmm. it's very slow and mm-hmm. I have incredibly messy handwriting, which makes me nervous because then will I be able to read what I wrote but I'm writing so I amazing so is that I, a resolution I started, to write? A, I started a notebook for knitting and sewing projects oh I am continuing a notebook for the chapter I just mentioned and mm-hmm. I'm using this older notebook that I have for podcast notes that's so, so great. that's a lot of notebooks for I would have bought three new year. notebooks I bought one of them I got for Christmas one of them I bought in Barnes Noble and then one of them I already had so what is it also. about 
a notebook when you, you just want to buy it. Well, it's related to the other Ugh. thing I was going to say about resolutions is I actually feel like there's been a lot of um, cool energy around like, why do we embrace January as the start of the year? Because it's in the middle of winter and it's when we should be resting. Mm. And I very much resonate mm. with that. And I am actually more of a back to school is my new year. And mm. especially because I work in education, I feel like September is a lot of times my new year, like the mood. And then kind of by January, I'm like, okay, we're, we're yeah. getting through spring here. Just, the, I agree with that. It's a different vibe. I agree. I think and we've both been posting a lot of stuff on like Instagram and like reading a lot of things about how our current society is just really built around a lot of structures that don't actually serve any of us. Like, yeah, the new year being January, you're right. This should be our time of rest. Like we should be just cuddling up by the fire and this should be the time that we're hibernating. And then like April should be the new year. Yeah, like, I mean, technically we could do that if the, the calendar is fairly arbitrary. Right. If we just decide, like, if we want to go by the seasons, right? When yeah. things are starting to flourish, we mm -hmm. can begin to flourish. Yeah. But things are still kind of dead right now. <laughs> yeah. Everything's dead. And I yeah. like it. I like the cold weather. Like, Colin today was like, Oh, me too. I really wish it was summer again because he loves being outside. Like, he likes just. I love being outside when it's cold. We went on a walk this morning. It was delightful. <laughs> I do too. I really like it. But I love like bundling up and having to wear my hat. And the other thing I do every January you know this, is I recommit to the bookish challenge. Reading, oh, yeah. The bookish reading challenge. Yeah. And I have yet to complete more than four books. <laughs> the bookish reading challenge is put on by my local bookstore in East Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. And her challenge is to read 12 books across 20 different categories. Mm -hmm. And I never do it. Yeah. But I this year we're always doing it. intend to. We're doing it. I am reinvigorated with books as well. One of my resolutions is to stop being on social media before bed because if it's between like redditing or TikToking for an hour and reading, I've been choosing TikTok. But I'm like, no, I love to read and it's better for me. And so I'm going to read for an hour before bed instead of TikTok. And I think I'll fly through books that you, way. You will. So. You're a really fast reader. Yeah, I am. I'm a really slow reader. So notebooks. What else? you have resolution wise no that's that, it it's every year i feel like i want to set a reading goal and then that's like pretty much all i feel i have lots of goals but i don't think mm. they're not tied to the new year for me that's what i I'm see saying. oh i love it I, i'm like great 2024 is a new olivia We're so doing what are it. your resolutions <laughs> my word of the year is to simplify mm. so my resolutions are last year my resolution was chaos was to like lean into it lean into the craziness that my year was going to your give resolution me. was a chaos my resolution was lean just into let chaos. life happen yeah. like do the crazy dating because I hadn't met Colin at that point. Do the crazy dating. Figure out your apartment. Say yes to things. Go out with people like just wild out. Now I'm exhausted. That was mm -hmm. great. Good job. 2023, Olivia. You sold and bought a house. I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was talking to my tax team. I was like, so I got a lot. 2023 is going <laughs> to entail for us. But I want to simplify. I want to do another Marie Kondo in my closet. I want to look at my finances even tighter. I want to clean out my space. I want to look at nutrition and like cooking again. I'm lifting. I'm running. Like I just want everything to feel simple and not so excessive because I am the type that I do a lot of retail therapy and I can consume, consume, consume. And I'm trying really hard to learn how to enjoy the things the old notebooks that I do have or like maybe there's food that I need to cook that I've already had in my pantry you know some like cool rice or something like yeah, I'm this just notebook trying. is like 10% used yeah so it felt weird to, like I was like I need yeah. to use this yeah. notebook <laughs> so that's my resolution is to simplify yeah and learn how to do that because mm -hmm. I'm not good at that mm -hmm. 
but I love new year energy. And one of the things that I've also learned about myself that we can kind of segue into feminish is that the books I'm reading have drastically changed and I am fascinated. Yeah, I want to talk about this. I wish I could pinpoint or like research it with somebody else and ask point blank, like, hey, are you reading these things because of this? Or so Mm. when I was reading a lot of those fantasy romance novels, I'm going to be blunt here. It's because I wasn't getting any. And so I was reading these books and and not even getting any in the sense of sex, but also getting any in the sense of like emotional fulfillment. So I wasn't getting anything. You know, I was still kind of dating. I wasn't really um, settled. And so the, these men in these books and these these romance stories were just like a yearning and like, oh, I, just, I was just like drinking them, right? I read like six last year. And now I've tried to read like three of them and they're just not sticking. I'm just like, wow, I'm just not really into this. And I think it's because all my needs are being met. Like, it's like, I really do think that I'm not drawn to the subject matter because... I don't know. It's just a theory because, I mean, surely everyone reading fantasy novels isn't in a bad relationship. Like, that's not a fair blanket statement to say. But I don't know. Do you? I don't. You know I don't. I can't necessarily speculate. I mean, I think that, like, we've talked about before on this podcast, just the validity of all of the genres and the, the you know, reading what you enjoy reading and not mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. resisting the societal kind of judgment or like less than nature yeah. of like I'll make fun of like my mother-in-law because the books she reads you could like they're like <laughs> the so titles like, I'm Fabio. sure well no I'm sure the titles are like AI generated it's like mm. the last woman to be seen <laughs> she was you know left on the road the woman <laughs> upstairs like they all have these like titles about oh, like kind yeah. of women women in distressful mm-hmm. situations mm-hmm. or like it's just really funny and they're all like crime thrillers oh but yeah. The, I mean, yeah I mean these are just like um it's just such an interesting genre, but it's funny. I make fun of it in jest because those, I mean, those titles are just yeah, amazing. But everyone is entitled to read what they want to read when they need to read it. Like, we're not all in the same moods all the time. No, it's totally. good to know that literature is there. Yeah. Uh, however we might need it. Yeah. That's the nice way to say that. But I just, I love the data. Mm-hmm. I love to know. I wish I could, like, read a book about my, like, personality I don't know, but I think and, like... I, I think that's, I mean, but that's all qualitative, right? Like, you're only going to get so much oh, data because you can't, like, there's not, like... So right we in. We have moods. You, yeah. We have moods, right? <laughs> like, I'll go on reading something that I'm really into, and then I'm, like, not into that anymore. Like, yeah. I'll, I keep, I have two nonfiction books right now that are both about wars tangentially, and I'm like, why am I like this? I don't read about wars and yeah. yet, like, that's what I'm really enjoying. Yeah. I don't know. You're like a history yeah. person. I don't know. Yeah, but I, history isn't just about wars. That's true. But wars is... Would you argue that, like, not all history is wars, but all wars are history? Well, sure, because they... They have Oh. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. Well, if you're reading romance novels and you have something to say, please write in so yeah, I can get I some would, of my data around Well, I would this. even love, like, a take on, you know, there could be different... There's all sorts of subgenres, right? So, like, what are people... Even like dark academia versus mm. some oh, other, like there's like, you know, that. there's these sub phases or they, there's like yeah. these, there's places probably where you find cont- yeah. contentment and meaning and, and um yeah benefit. Yeah, I'm still definitely reading dark academia because so dark academia for those listening at home is like dark Harry Potter. It's like imagine if Harry Potter wasn't 11 and it was like a bunch of college age kids going. I imagine to- it's just like what Cambridge and Oxford are like. Yeah, but with magic, it's like really cool. I really love it. Sorry, I mean like the vibe. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Very like because I think Harry Potter is just like if you look at Cambridge, it looks like Harry Potter. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So it's that cool old school vibe, but with like wizards and magic and stuff, and it's really really fun. And the plot lines are. I just read one series called The Scalamance, which was really incredible. Great storylines, and it wasn't steamy. It didn't have any like romance scenes in it, really. Like maybe like one or two. What's but, the premise? Like, what is a what do they do in Dark Academia? So the premise in this particular one is that all of the wizards of the world know that their kids need to be brought up to be good wizards because in their world, all the monsters come out and they feed on wizards. And we're talking like bad critters that just like wiggle their way through things. So they all send their kids to the school called the Scalamance and it's completely blocked off. Like it's in the void. You send your kids for four years and they're supposed to come out being a top tier wizard. The problem is like 50% of the kids die because oh my gosh, that's how it is. Sorry. It's the world because since you're getting so many concentrated kids in one school, it's a hot spot for all of the bad critters because oh, they just go feed interesting. off of it. So it's about this one girl who was born and her prophecy is that she's supposed to be like the world destroyer. And she's like really, 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 really powerful. But she like hides it from everybody because she's like, I'm just kind of trying to make it through. Like, I just want to be chill. Um, But then she meets another powerful guy and they both kind of start to figure like they actually want to help people and they don't want 50 percent of the kids to die. But the school itself is really kooky. Like it does have moving staircases and certain rooms are out to get you and like she'll be like okay i'm in the cafeteria today and oh it looks like there's mashed potatoes but there's always a bug in those that i have to kill first Ah, and so it's very fun that's fun Um, yeah Yeah. it's a fun fun storyline that's really cool so that's been really entertaining to me lately and did you yeah you finished cloud cuckoo land i did oh man yeah that was a book that was a book beautiful sad yeah i read fiction hooray Yay! <laughs> well, I started I'm, the book club, so you're going to be reading a little bit you more did, fiction. Yes. And yeah. I, again, I'm doing the book challenge this mm-hmm. year, so I will be reading some fiction. And the book I'm reading right now, book number one for January, mm-hmm. is by the author of Severance. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fiction. And it's, I liked Severance, yeah. It's lovely. It's very, um, it, there's, uh, it's kind of surreal. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you're in, like, in the normal world, but then things that are happening are not normal, Ooh. which I really like. So yeah, and we're talking Severance the book, not Severance the TV show. Yeah, they are definitely I think they're different. They are very different. I've seen and read both. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Is the book based in like a work environment or not at all? Yeah, the book you haven't read the first Severance. No, the book is about some like a I forget what happens, but like a thing happens, and this girl just keeps going to work. Like, mm. there's nobody there. Oh, interesting. She just, okay. Figures she just keeps, she's like, well, I just need some semblance of normal. So she just like, and despite, I think, I can't remember if it's like a plague or if it's like a, like a war thing or whatever, but okay. something. I like premises like that. Well, you know mm-hmm. what? We've talked about this before. I have, I'm really interested yeah. in like when crisis occurs, yes. like what yeah. happens with like our normal routines yeah. and stuff like that. So I have it. I'll bring it over so you can read it, but it's a very like bleak because it's like, what do we have? Mm-hmm. If not war, like, mm-hmm. you know, I I had COVID routine. This, yeah, yeah, I had COVID this past week. And admittedly, like by day three, I was like, no, I actually need a project. Like I need something to yeah. do. <laughs> like I can play video games and read books for three days. But after that, I'm like, OK, I'm ready to be. Yeah. To be back in things. And I just don't know what that says about. I guess. Well, no, I think so. I want to clarify, like the need for work is, I think, very human Mm -hmm. i i think that it's the doldrum of like the unnecessariness of most jobs or like that's true frequency of like okay being at my i don't need 40 hours a week to do my job most of the year yeah and yet i am tied to that expectation which 
doesn't leave me time to do the. I love doing projects. I love working on what mm-hmm. I want to work on, which isn't always monetized. Yeah. But like, you know, you were saying the retail therapy. I'm so silly because I'm like, oh, I'm traveling this spring. So I obviously need to make a new <laughs> pair of pants, make a quilted vest and make Yay. another tunic. And I'm like, you know, of course, yeah. I could go buy these things. But mm-hmm. I'm in a vibe now where I know what I like. I know what colors and fabrics I like mm-hmm. to work in. And mm-hmm. I can make something fit me exactly. Yeah. And so like going out to the Why store is you? only upsetting. Mm-hmm. And I like the challenge of like having a good project. And yeah. so like, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think this week was a perfect week. Aside from having COVID, my work week was a perfect work week because both of my jobs, I think maybe I had four-ish, four to five-ish hours of work a day. And then the rest of it was just sort of organizing, resting, you know, planning. And I think that's the sweet spot. Like, that sounds terrible, but we don't need mm-hmm. to work eight hours a day. We can. Well, and especially like what you're recognizing is like, to me, I know when my busy seasons are and yeah. I know that I will be working more yeah. than an expected amount because it's, again, it's based on the work and not mm-hmm. based on like an arbitrary sitting in at my mm-hmm. desk for a certain number of hours. And even like this week, <laughs> I mean, you can put me in, you can put, I went to work three days uh, on campus this week and I don't like those weeks. I prefer my mm. two day mm-hmm. in office weeks. And I was like, you can make me be here, but you don't, I can't, yeah. I don't feel like working. So it's I'm gonna, simply not going to work. Yeah. It's crazy. Like <laughs> all of these offices trying to get people to come back into the office and they're the incentives that they're trying to do are like fun things that we would just rather do at home. Like, can oh, I have free we'll parking though? Yeah. Like, can we talk about that? Really? Like what? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you want us to do? Like, so, you, so who's going to look over our shoulder? Who's going to like, who's yeah. to say we're more productive? I'm definitely going to be less productive in an office because yeah. then I'm going to go talk to people. I'm going to go yeah. do this. Which and, is part of a team too. Like I like uh, those days, but I like that two days, two days a week. I like being in the office. Mm-hmm. The other three days, please let me do. Because what I've noticed and hopefully, you know, if my boss is listening, well, <laughs> what I've noticed is the weeks that I'm in three days, I'm doing less work on my days that I work from home. Like when I'm working from Mm -hmm. home most of the week, I am doing my work when I have work. Mm -hmm. And if you're making me go to the office three days a week, I'm going to do as little as possible those (laughs) other two days because I'm like, I'm recovering. I will notice Mm -hmm. how tired I am at night, like how much more tired I am because of like just being in the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Such Mm -hmm. an aggressive. Anyway. Mm hmm. And we all no, need to be in the I world. Agree. That's good. But like it is, I notice, I notice it so much more like how things are paced. Yeah. I will say, and I have said this many times in this podcast, that I think that my digital virtual relationships are also incredibly valid. And we yeah. as a humanity have unlocked a virtual space. And for yeah. better or for worse. There are really strong communities on the internet. Yeah. If you find them. It, mm-hmm. And and you they call they take work. You cultivate them. Like, yeah. That's the thing. They're not yeah. like just tossing in a Slack question every now and then. But yeah. No, you know, I, my designer at my studio, I love her. She'll never listen to this, I don't think, but hi, Claire. <laughs> so Claire and I are really close. I've never met her. I've yeah. only spoken to her once, even on Zoom, once. Yeah. But we're great. I would consider her a really good friend of mine because we just chat constantly about yeah. everything. And I was like, hey, I'm playing Dave the Diver on my Switch. And she was like, oh, I'll try that. And then she tried it. And now we're comparing fish catching techniques right you know it just creates this bond with this person well, even something you've just said which is super interesting because in especially with the pandemic i think you know the increase of using zoom and things like that mm-hmm. it helped normalize those kinds of conversations and experiences as also feeling really genuine i meet one-on-one with students via zoom all the time mm-hmm. and i have great relationships with them and i've maybe met them in person one time yeah but we have like extensive 
hour-long Zoom meetings about their, you know, careers mm-hmm. and their essays and we're mm-hmm. chatting and we like update each other and it's really interesting how like yeah i'll meet someone a year in and i'm like oh you know that's that it's that thing where you're like you're a lot shorter than <laughs> i imagined or you're a lot taller than i imagined like, oh yeah because a little different <laughs> we see the top of it but i mean it's that's it's so funny true. like it doesn't that is also i mean we live in such a cool time where we mm-hmm. can have those we don't have to be physically with someone like it's mm-hmm. cool that we record together but plenty of podcasters don't are never in the same room mm-hmm. that's true we are in my closet <laughs> yeah we're in jesse's closet again so you mentioned height so i'm gonna do a wild segue mm-hmm. to short celebrities and i'm gonna bring it to celebrity culture again yes <laughs> i was thinking we have i mean because again hi guys it's, it's been a couple yeah. months oh my gosh we there's been you know there's been hi- history been and culture happening <laughs> there's been developments tell, developments tell developments what's going on well, the first thing I wanted to bring up is, well, the short thing reminded me of a couple. You haven't seen Saltburn, so I can't really yeah, talk about it. Sorry, I'm not on up with the culture. On yeah, Saltburn. so Saltburn is like a whole thing. I definitely think you should watch it. It has It's a big commentary on like the rich, wealthy culture and what people will do to get to the top. But the main actor, oh, what is his name? I'm going to have to look it up. Barry, he's like 5'7", but you'll never notice it. From the movie because yeah. well, he that's is what they just, do with Tom Cruise, right? He's like very short in a different way. Tom Cruise, I can tell, is short, right? He has short. I'm sorry, this is short, terrible. Short he guy has energy. short guy energy. He does. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name. Barry Kean, I think, is the actor's name. He seems like he is six feet tall because he has BDE. He Got does. You. He mm-hmm. has tall guy energy, and so the entire time you're just like, wow, like he's weird hot. He definitely falls into the weird hot category. Is he the one in the family or the one trying to get in the family? He's the one trying to get into the family. He's way weird hot. You've seen him in other things before. I can't remember off the top of my head. Have you ever seen Hide and Seek? Is it called Hide and Seek? I think so. Yeah, it's I know the, what you're talking it's, about. It's about like the rich people and they get married and yeah. they have to do their ritual. Yes. And it's like to the death. And I haven't seen it, but. Oh, it's, it's, it's a, I, mean, I hate to say fun. It's, um, <laughs> we it's love more, murder. It's more fun than I expected. And it has like a genuinely good bleak ending. I do want to see that. It, I've, yeah. I've seen clips of it on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy was in Dunkirk and The Green Knight. And I'm like, what is, so he's I mean, in. I'm sorry, I don't watch war okay. movies, but uh, The Green right, Knight, was well, that a superhero movie? No, The Green Knight is like a, like a very deep, like tale. It's based off of an old, like, I think like Celtic legend. Oh, okay. I don't know if you'd like it. The other thing, <laughs> the biggest thing that happened in celebrity culture but recently. Wait, so what's, what about the short men? Does that, is that a thing? Is that happening? Or you're just saying that he generally... I think that it's interesting to see the effect of height in a film, how they play it up. And then yeah. um, recently the Golden Globes happened. So we saw him and his really hot. He wore a, a suit tank top. It was like a tank. It was like a Love white that. tank that was a suit. And he's like really buff because he's training for other movies. And someone, uh, these other celebrity guys like grab him and bring him into this um, like oh, group picture. And he's really short. But it was like <laughs> kind of hot though because you could tell all the other guys were like, he looked like you could see that those other guys thought he was hot. Interesting. Like they were like, am I, am I having feelings for this man? Like he right. just exudes this like, oh, this like energy. Like he's a real short king. I just want to have a, I have a quick side tangent. Don't forget your train of thought, mm-hmm. which is that I'm watching this series of Taskmaster. I can't remember if we've talked about Taskmaster on this show, but it's a really oh, fun show. We haven't. That insane. I have gotten in. I tr- I try to convert all my friends to being into yeah. Taskmaster, yeah. but I'm rewatching this season right now with Gus Khan and Desiree. Birch mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, Morgana mm-hmm. Robinson mm-hmm. and Victoria 
Hernan Mitchell. They're so wonderful. I love anyway, that season. I feel very offended that they put Victoria next to Morgana because she is simply too hot for the show. <laughs> like it feels very rude because Victoria is a lovely, beautiful woman. And then you put her next to yeah. Morgana Robinson yeah. and she is just like such a dead drop beauty at yeah. any point. She's just like, she's yeah. like a little bird. I don't know what I always yeah. I'm like, poor Victoria. Don't you feel like that with some of our friends too, where you're like, so-and-so is going to be there. I don't want to stand right next to you. Yeah. Was a, I won't name names, but in the summer, there's a couple of friends that I'm like, well, they're going to be here and they're going to look hot. Yeah. I'm going to look like a beached whale. And, yep. and I'm going to be like sweaty because <laughs> yeah. it is hot and they're going to look very yeah. glamorous with their no. little do. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, yep. my rosacea is going to be out. Yep. And power to them. <laughs> I'm so proud of all my friends who look, can manage to look amazing. Amy's like that. Like sometimes when I go to like, oh, we're, we're going to go grab she cocktails. Always looks so and I'm glamorous. like, damn it. She's going to look. She like she's going to put on eyeliner to go have coffee I with know. you. And she I looks respect so that. good too. And she's like, she's really good at eye makeup. And like, I don't, yeah. I got one look and that's what I do. Right. Yes. One look. And like for the Christmas party, she looked hot. And I was like, Amy, I can't with this. Where I was going. Yes. Golden Globes happened recently. Yes. What did you, I'm not even going to give this comedian his name because he doesn't deserve it. And I, I genuinely it don't. No, I didn't watch. And then I only just saw all of the like quotes from him. And I was like, I'm glad I did not watch. Okay. So it is the year 2024. The Barbie mm-hmm. movie. And this this is why this podcast matters. This is why feminism is still a thing. This is why you may say, oh, we don't have a problem. No, the, when it, we're all great. Everything's totally fine. This man comes onto the stage and apparently they had a problem getting somebody. He only had 10 days in his writing team, which uh, first of all, he shouldn't have said that. Because now people on TikTok are like, hey, I wrote this in the last day. And it's funnier than all the things that he said, mm-hmm. right? So don't tell us you even had 10 days because in our world, and a team of writers. Yeah, that, in our world, that's, that's gold. You can do a lot with that. He stands up and he's like, the, his first joke is like, so we've got Oppenheimer here, which is like a tale about a man and, and nuclear, blah, blah, blah. And the Barbie movie, which is about a plastic doll with big boobies. Yeah, that means that he did not pay attention to what the movie was about how how because i thought oppenheimer was about hubris and the inevitability of human annihilation like that's and that's the barbie movie is that's not fine, but that, about <laughs> adult like it just it blew my mind it blows about my misogyny mind. and yes it's it blew my mind that that is still happening mm-hmm. like I think some people like rolled their eyes and they were like, okay, whatever. But like, no, like that was, well, what I'm saying is, okay, that's the thing where we talk about sometimes about the line of humor of like, if you're going to be obtuse and make a funny joke, Mm -hmm. you need to know that that is risky. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're going to say something offensive to a group of people. It's not just risky though. It's just not a good joke in our world. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying like you can, yeah, like, that, I guess that's what I'm saying poorly is like, you know, y- you can't use a group of people as the butt of your joke and expect it to land well in 2024. Well, so it didn't land well for the room. If you see all the reactions, mm, no, but they did not. They had to add in a laugh track. Nobody. It's like silent. So then he starts berating the audience and telling them that they're dumb and that his writers are dumb. And he just he just goes on a tangent. Oh, it gets awful. He just realizes that he's bombing. And oh, so no. he's like. Okay, well, you guys clearly see the, the Barbie movie. Uh, like, is that what he got? I from don't it? understand it. But if you go look at like you know Reddit, Twitter, TikTok, there are a lot of people that say it was just a joke, guys. He was clearly funny, and it's like, guys, we're still doing this. We're still doing this. We're still letting women be because he didn't do that to any of the men. 
Mm-hmm. It was only the women that he was. That's what I'm saying. If you want to oversimplify and belittle the subject of a movie, mm-hmm. do that to Oppenheimer. Right. Talk about how Barbie introduced, you know, basic principles of feminism to yeah. your aunt Josephine. Josephine. <laughs> and your uncle Larry. Yeah. But how Oppenheimer mm-hmm. glorizes death and destruction. Yeah. I don't know. That's not a joke. No, make it jokey. I agree with you, but it just blows my mind that we're still not there. We're still not there. I'm just saying, like, I think if they, I get in the spirit of it being a joke. Okay, sure, whatever. But it wasn't a funny joke. It was a terrible joke. It was an awful joke. Like, it's not even really a joke. He just wanted to say big boobies on TV. And like, so this guy, nobody really knew who he was, comes on, starts Mm. and ends his career within the span of five minutes. I mean, it's like, Really, sure. dude? You could have made different but choices. But also, How could do you, you feel guys, about your choices? Could you not find a woman up there? Like, what? What is happening? Like, what is? Mm-hmm. It is insane. I would to have me. loved a woman comedian talking about Oppenheimer. I think yeah. Oppenheimer is ripe for some jokes. I thought it was. I know you liked it, right? That's what I'm saying. No, but yeah. I'm saying is like it deserves to be made fun of. It's a beautiful movie, and like <laughs> I'm sure everyone worked hard on it, and like it's great. But make fun of Oppenheimer. Yeah, it definitely had it had three hours of jokes they could have made. Like. The film was <laughs> and like two different movies inside the film. Like, I mm-hmm. no, it was like untouchable. And this I man, mean, uh, I can't remember if I said this on this podcast or not, but Oppenheimer should have been a television series. It would have oh, been yeah. a beautiful television yeah. series. And you could have Limited really series. gotten into the depth of the legal aspects of the mm-hmm. journey, the sense of time. Yeah. Again, it's like these people who still are out here. What's the other guy? Scorsese? Sir, yeah. make a television show. Stop making four-hour movies. Yeah. Make a television show. Yeah. Yeah. And even, like, if you want to say, oh, well, movies are dead and we want to go back to the old... It's like, no, no, no. Movies used to be, like, 90 minutes. Like, come on. Movies used to be, like, they told a succinct story that felt magical and if you want to tell a sweeping epic we have modern television technology. It's beautiful. You can get a big old budget. Mm -hmm. You're Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. Just go ask them for a budget. I would say that Chernobyl was probably comparable to... Chernobyl was perfect. Yep. Chernobyl exactly. was perfect. It was complicated. I, yep. You learned a lot. They, they, laid, they laid the stakes out for you. Yeah. It was gripping. Yep. The, the one episode about them having to kill the animals was devastating. And yeah. I thought I had to turn it off, but I <laughs> persevered. <laughs> oh, my God. I have never turned off a TV show before except for Lessons in Chemistry. I don't know what that is. Okay. It's an Apple TV show with Brie Larson. I had to turn it off after... Two episodes. Was it like I can't even it, it was a massive spoiler, but one okay. big thing happens okay. and I just was like, Nope, this is like a new fear. Was it violent or sexual or something? It was violent. There is really bad sexual bad stuff in the yeah. first episode that I was shocked by also because it's a fictional story. So maybe no, I'm pretty sure it's a fictional story. I'm like, guys, you but I have never just like stopped a show in the mm-hmm. middle, I don't mm-hmm. think. And I definitely did. I was like, oh. No. Okay. Also, I know so you had COVID. Yeah. And oh, you yeah. watched Midnight Mass. Yes. I want to we what have not ripping audience. Hello listeners. We yeah. have not discussed this. I've been trying to get her to watch Midnight Mass oh, for like God. since it came yeah. out. And yeah. this is the this, you were getting the hot yeah. take with me. Oh my God. So I'm going to give the spoiler-free version and then a spoiler version. Okay. So the spoiler-free version is that Midnight Mass is exactly the story I have wanted about society's juxtaposition against religion. Like from, evaluating the way that church influences a yes. community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way that it it 
a community and the church are at like a symbiotic kind yes. of like relationship and how it's hard to tear them away. And if and you how are that not, can be really important. Yes. And it, essential. it can be valid yes. and it can be wonderful. But then also if you're not a part of it, how much other you are capital yes. O I think that it was one of the best television shows I it's, have it's seen. Mike Flanagan who did Honey yes. Hill House. And we've, we've waxed poetic and about that show. House of Usher. Yeah. And I, thought it was really really brilliant and the story it was trying to tell i do think that all the monologues were too long and i not i'm not That's alone so true reddit also agree everybody was like what is with this like all of the monologues could have been cut in half and it would have been fine there's just a lot of shots where they're like really glamorized like okay we get it like it didn't need yeah. to be that long and they're like super existential too <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> they're, okay. they're a lot yeah let's uh take it, it down made a me bit. think a lot about death Yes, a lot about death, but a lot about also like how our culture interacts on like a smaller scale. I think Mm -hmm. it's set on an island. Mm -hmm. Um, So you really get to see the amplification of how everybody knows everybody. And so the how society functions, basically. Right. Yeah. So now the spoilers of like, yeah, I think the spoilers are important. And Colin, if you're listening, you must watch this. So please skip ahead and please watch it. The spoiler is that. Ah, it's a vampire story. It's a vampire story. <laughs> which is like, it's, what? Which like, is the thing I'm that like, I so can't glad. tell you, right? I know, like, I There know. are things that I want you to watch that have aliens in them, but I can't yeah. tell you because they're major spoilers. Yeah. Right? And so it's like that. Where like, uh, but it's also incredible. just a story about how an island gets overrun by vampires. It's just, it. I my jaw was like, oh my God, this is a vampire story. What I will tell you is I had COVID recently and Sunday night was the worst of it. I would have done anything. You had a fever. I had never had a fever. Oh my God. I like since childhood. Fevers hurt. Like Mm -hmm. they do not feel good. When you have a fever, it is your body overheating, trying to get you. And like your head hurts, but your body's cold and it just feels sickly. You feel like you're dying. In that level, I started to wonder like, (laughs) how many pills can I take to make myself feel better? But I was like, try, but I had enough thought to like Google, like, okay, does this react with this? Right. Yeah. But in that moment, in your desperation, you're willing to do a lot of things. Right. And I think that is what happens in Midnight Mass, where you've got this priest, pastor, priest. Yeah. He's a priest. He's a Catholic priest. I think it's Catholic, yeah. He's desperate. He's old. He has somebody he loves back on this island. He just, he, the mort- his mortality, his death. And I, I can see it. You know, it seems stupid. You, you think, dude, clearly that vampire is a vampire and not an angel. No, but as you've pointed out, they... If you think it's an angel, it's an if it's if it's if it's presenting as a miracle to help you. Like I think mm-hmm. what it does, I think what Midnight Mass does really well is it doesn't dismiss religion. Mm-hmm. It's very like even the character Beverly was saying like you want to hate her because of her righteousness and she's so faithful, but yeah. then also you're like oh wow like I see how mm-hmm. she has this deep sense of what of how the world works right. and that like is commendable and respectful and like it's it's just challenging and complex right it yeah. really is but it, uh, it's, oftentimes i'm like that person's so stupid how could you possibly how could you like don't go towards light don't go in the dark basement but in your moment <laughs> yeah. of desperation in your moment of i'm sick or i'm hurting or i'm desperate you're gonna do a lot of stuff yeah. like you're gonna think you're gonna cling to your faith and so yeah when a yeah. cr- when a critter shows up with wings, you're like, that's an angel. Yeah, it's my salvation. That's mm-hmm. that's my dude. Mm-hmm. Especially if he brings you back to life, makes you younger again, so yeah. that you can go relive and go yeah. help other people and realize, like, he has a really beautiful scene. And I don't think that he was a bad guy in the end at all. He has a beautiful scene with the woman that he, he chewed, made mistakes. chewed with. 
And he was just like, yeah. you know, I just did this all for you. Like, I just did. That's when I was like, guys, this is actually a rom-com. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, you know, I just had a vision. I just didn't want you or my daughter to die. And I just, I knew that if I brought this angel back to here that I could save everybody. And he was doing it out of like a just Altruistic fear, whereas, kind of sense of love. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Bev is doing it out of sense of control and her own self-righteousness, which is, yeah. you know, not That's good. That's so true. I totally didn't recognize Bev as the, oh, the yeah. one lady. And then I yeah. was like, how did I not yeah. see her? But she's so different in she this is story. Phenomenal. So the cop is Muslim. And so he is. And his son. Yeah. So they're ostracized during this entire thing, but not in the way that like the very subtle insidious kind of way, which is like, no, no one's hurting them or like looting them or like physically abusing them. But they're also like not included in like a little like. Well, or because, because if all the events in your community are centered on your religion, yeah. and then it's like, yeah, there yes. becomes, there, there's like subtle ways of yes. microaggression. The events is something to bring it back to like current day. You know, we are missing, we talk about this a lot, we're missing that third, third space. space. Yeah. As people are veering away from religion and seeing the, the harm it sometimes does, we no longer have those community events that we go to where we know everybody and can catch up in a thoughtful way Mm -hmm. which is i think a really sad thing you know religion didn't have to go so hard like y'all could have chilled out and accepted everybody and let us all be in like a group and to be fair i think there are a lot of denominations that are in that space even that are non-christian yeah i I just want to say there's 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 plenty of people for whom that's a really meaningful part of their life no totally and i think that is still really great i think i think midnight mass does a great job of showing where power an ego and yeah. it gets in the way of oh a thing being a good thing. Organizing humans does mm-hmm. a lot to ruin religion, in my opinion. Like there's yeah. there's spiritual connections mm-hmm. to things that you believe in, and then yeah. there's power, <laughs> yeah, and money and domination right. and persuasion and all of those things. Yeah, and on the the level of ostracization, ostracization, I think I even noticed it in myself veering the other way. Where like if a friend I know is Christian, suddenly there's a little part of me that's like, oh, you know, and that shouldn't like. Yeah, that's not fair to them. No, exactly. But, you know, it's because for so long we've had so many debates and so many like things. And it's like, just let people do the thing. Something I admire about our friend group is that I would say half of us are like really weird people. Like we're weird people. Mm -hmm. There's there's some weird. We're weird. Like we like weird stuff. And uh, like half of us are like. Uh, and we all just get along really well. Like nobody is superly over judgmental about weirdness. Like we're all pretty accepting, which I think is really lovely, but I think that doesn't happen naturally in a community like that. The weird person or the other person is oftentimes Mm -hmm. singled out Mm -hmm. for being different. Yeah. That makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I think it happens a lot, but in our friend group, it doesn't, I think it's great. But awesome. Midnight Mass. What a good special friend group. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we are kind of like, what are we talking about today? Okay. Okay. But I think like, that's, I mean, that's Pleasure. kind of part of why we, right? You like find your people because, um, mm-hmm. find your people, but don't. Church, church in high school was not where I found my people. Yeah. It just, yeah. And this isn't a church hating podcast, just no. like it's not a man hating podcast, but it does, yeah. we do illuminate things. Well, because, that, yeah, you yeah. want, I need, I, we need to give space to the, traumas that we did experience through you know the yeah the things that are presented in the name of religion right didn't feel very religious to me yes and the traumas experience for me at least was like purity culture it's like you're bad if you do x you're bad if you do y 
It's like, I don't know about that. Well, there were a lot of drugs happening at the private Christian school in my <laughs> small town. So that's so funny, really. I mean, yeah, that's against like what? I don't know. Oh, no. I was um, a precious angel until college. Like, my mom probably thought I was doing a lot worse stuff, but I, I literally was not. I didn't have my first sip of alcohol until I was 21. I did not do uh, any drugs. Were you talking to adult men on the internet? Oh, yeah. I was doing that. Mm-hmm. I definitely was talking to adult men on the internet who were not saying that they were adult men on the internet, <laughs> but they definitely were. Like, looking back on it, they definitely were. <laughs> but I remember being on such... Maybe this is how kids feel with alcohol, and I didn't get that, but I remember being on such a power trip, like... Mm-hmm. I am powerful over these men because they are coming to me and they are like, well, there's that's the whole piece of like the concept. This is a theoretical concept in like multiple disciplines, not just rhetoric, Mm -hmm. but like of a cyborg of like how much power you have. Stay with me when you're detached from your body. You know, we talked about embodied rhetoric Uh and like how much your body, like if you are having to present your face, people know what you look like and they're going to start judging you based on that. Like there's all these kinds of, um, these expectations of what comes with like, you know, presenting yourself. But when you're on the internet, uh-huh. you are liberated from a lot of those things. That's even where like premises of like an avatar, right? You can like yeah. be who you want in the metaverse or whatever. Like there's these, there's these yeah. abilities to have the power dynamic shift in ways mm-hmm. of you as a young adolescent girl are never going to have that kind of power. And suddenly you right. do. It's a yeah. really interesting phenomenon that relate that is like part of the internet. Anyway. Yeah. When yeah. I first started working at my corporate job, I had, there were a few times on Zoom that my boss, Sarah, had to chat me and she said, fix your face. Fix your oh my face. Because I'm a little bit dramatic <laughs> sometimes. And so people would just say shit and she would be like, fix your face. I had to go back to like a neutral mm-hmm. expression because mm-hmm. I tend to do like an eyebrow raise or like a, you know, I don't know how you would say that face. That's that really like funny. bewildered face. And I think that that's part of how we communicate in our body signals. And yeah. Yeah, I've been what's, paying attention. What's yeah. funny, though, is like if you're in a real meeting, you're probably doing that, too. And you just don't even notice. Yeah. Like there true. are some things where I'll notice my things I'm doing where I can, yeah. when I can see myself. I'm like, oh, shit, do I do that? Like, yeah, and I probably do. I've just noticed a lot of cues now because I'm yeah. in all these big meetings. So you can tell you, you start to learn whose screens are where. Mm-hmm. And if somebody says something, I can tell like people will go on Slack and I'm like, oh, they're chatting. Ah. They're gossiping. Or I can tell who's taking like a sip of their coffee. At the at, at like a conspicuous time. time, yeah, yes. yeah. I think it's really fascinating. So it keeps I me had, entertained. During- I had a little bit of that when I had. There was some interesting dynamics at a previous place I worked, and like there was there was more of that, and it was really funny. Yeah, we yeah. always had side conversations or even yeah. like a side text if we didn't want it to oh, be on the official usually. employer. Yeah, instant messaging, system. huge <laughs> side text, lots of like, side conversations. What I would team is my coworkers versus what I would yeah. text them. It's very. <laughs> Indicative. Um, These were the COVID years, guys. Oh, God. (laughs) The plague. So the book you brought, does it relate to literally anything we've talked about today? Um, I was trying to think. Well, it it relates to a thing we were talking about before we started recording. Oh. Cleanliness. Uh, (laughs) Kind of, yes. Um, So I think that I alluded to this book several times in the last season, but I finally finished it. It took me a long time. And I think it has some strengths and weaknesses, but I'm going to ask you a question. Ooh, I love a quiz or trivia or a yeah. Pers- no, personality what question. did you did you have a future homemakers of America at your high school? No. 
did maybe, you maybe but no okay did you ever take home ec yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. tell me about what you learned in home ec home ec is where i learned how to make like basic meals huh and i remember not really enjoying it but like they would like make you like here's how to cook an egg and here's how to do these things well, and it was cool. really basic mm-hmm. stuff yeah i didn't take shop mm-hmm. i think we had shop but i did there was a home ec cooking class yeah but it was seen as like the joke Honestly, it was like mm-hmm. a throwaway class, if that makes sense. I mean, I think those are all considered electives, right? Yeah, yeah. When I, did you take it? Like what ooh, grade? I don't remember. I really don't because I remember, I remember, I can see the kitchen in my head, but I can't really remember anything else. I think it was at my hoity-toity school because I I was at a my Southern school for a little while and then I moved to a hoity-toity school and then I moved back to my like Southern school. So it had to have been hmm. my small town school would not have had the money to install kitchens. So I'm pretty sure it was the hoity-toity one. What I do remember is lots of little clubs. Like uh, there was like yeah. yearbook and yeah. and all of that newspaper. That's like regular high school experience, I think. Yes. Yeah. But I do remember all those little things. So I was trying to remember, like the only memory I have of taking home ec was actually in middle school. Mm. We had an FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America, yeah. and we had an FFA, Future Farmers of America. And I oh. want to say we still had FHA, but it was like really, but like it was just part, it was like almost part of one of those, or it was sort of like on the out. But it, but it's interesting because like at the time, I think I was like, what do, what do these even mean? Like I did, I don't know, I just didn't have a sense of like they seemed like such weird career paths Home with air quotes. Well, yeah, that I is mean, a career a- for sure, but it's a weird way to say it. I think. Well, it's the way you say it if you're a homemaker. Like that's if you look, if you ever fill out like a survey and it asks you, it's always on there hmm. for like occupation. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 But yeah, so I the only thing I remember from Home Ac was making like a pillowcase. For some reason I have no other memories. Oh, but yeah, I know yeah, I yeah, took yeah. I, I know I took case. like yeah. the class, but I don't remember cooking at all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yes. Mine was a two parter. Yeah. That just brought that memory back. Mine was like one semester, right? And half of it was the kitchen and half of it was sewing. Yeah. Okay. That is exactly what happened. Because I remember making a pillowcase too and being like, I hate this. This is terrible. <laughs> I do not have a knack for Well, that. here's the thing I want to talk about today. So this isn't necessarily related to anything we've been talking about, but it is a book I finished. And so I want to put it on the pod because I think it's really cool. Yeah. And there's some really interesting ideas that can, it shifted my way of thinking about home ec. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that it might influence or just get you thinking in like mm-hmm. an interesting way about what. Yeah. The history oh, of home I'll ec. find a tie. I'll figure it out. So this book is called The Secret History of Home Economics by Danielle Drillinger. Drillinger? And the little subtitle, because you know all the books that I read have yeah, 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 subtitles. Yeah, of How Trailblazing Women Harness the Power, the Power of Home and Change the Way We Live. So she opens by with this, and I think this is, you know, it wouldn't be the podcast if I didn't read something from my book. The preface is, everything you know about home economics is wrong. And this is what is, I think, one of the most profound takeaways from this book. And it is a really fun history. And there's a lot of like characters in this book that she details and like the experiences across pretty much the whole history of home ec. But she says, when you imagine the founder of home economics, who do you see? Betty Crocker, Donna Reed, a white man with Mm -hmm. a handlebar mustache glaring at a woman to stay in her place. Ooh, a stern conservative lady teacher with 1950s glasses teaching girls how to do housework. Someone like Dolores Umbridge, only less evil. Try a white female chemist, Ellen Swallow Richards, the first woman to woman to attend MIT, who believed fervently in the power of science to free women from, quote, drudgery. My life is to be one of active fighting, she wrote. 
Or try a famous black woman, Margaret Murray Washington, who thought that improving the home could end racial inequality. That's all you need to know to realize that everything you thought about home economics is wrong. Home economics was far more than baking lumpy blueberry muffins, sewing throw pillows, or lugging a bag of flour around in a baby sling to learn the perils of parenting. In its truest form, home economics was about changing the world through the household. Uh So basically, like the premise of this book is taking you through the history of home economics as a domestic science. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of how it started. Mm -hmm. And it was really started by like women who were interested in the science and the mechanics and Mm -hmm. the ways that the home were an important place where we Mm -hmm. learn things and understand things and make our lives better and find meaning and all this stuff. Right. And they basically... The very short uh, point of this book is that, like, they have been working for, you know, pretty much all the 20th century. But it started in, like, the 1880s, 1890s with the Industrial Revolution. More people in Mm -hmm. college. They're like, what are we going to teach these people? Well, you know, there is this whole form of, like, what we do domestically. And who's going to, how do we learn that? Like, who, who learns that? There is a little, anyway, the point is, like, all of this comes into fruition as a way to sort of, give credibility to women things women are doing and then they th- that they can have mm-hmm. expertise in yeah and that you can you can study like going back to your data right like yeah. you can study things we do in the home as and and they have value and that you can we can improve them and like doing so yeah. is in the best interest of people as consumers of people yeah. like what like what is safe what is efficient what is meaningful what is nutritious like all of yeah. these things are valid and worth mm-hmm. studying. And so like home ec actually has a really long history of needing to be va- validized, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. a really meaningful influence in like the 19, basically the 19 teens, the 1950s, mm-hmm. and then kind of going through a crisis of like, what is it? Is home ec oppressive or is it feminist? <gasps> right. Cause the, this book basically, basically deals with the tension that it's like both mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. much at all times. And that even its own in- interest of like improving the world through the home right. ends up kind of self-destructing because there's so many complicated issues that go with right. that. So that's what the I, gist. What the, the emotions that came up for me is that, first of all, the home is so, so huge in a way that yeah. I don't know that we all embrace all the time. Like as somebody who just bought... Well, and we all live in a home right. too, which is one of the things that it's like, yes. it's very much more complex than just like being yeah. up, falling on the shoulders of a woman, for right. example. exactly. Mm-hmm. We all live in a home and we're all responsible for, if you live in a home, you are responsible for its care, its upkeep, its how it flows. And I do think that, if, like, for example, if you go on a Target, half of that Target is dedicated to home stuff, like mm-hmm. housewares, kitchen, bath. Like, it is basically a home store, right? Yeah. It's, it's insane to me. And the industry is so, so big to make our home great. Like, if you look at all these, like Joanna Gaines, the hearth and home that is in yeah. Target and like everything now. I think people think sometimes a lot of that is like superfluous or like, why do you need all this stuff? And it's like, well, a lot of us feel this like innate need to like nest and nurture and make the home really, really nice. A place where we want to be. Yeah, Because you're there all the time, I I guess, unless like you travel or unless that's just not like your lifestyle. But like, I can't imagine unless you, unless you are a traveler, like a nomad, then what use case would it be where it's not, I guess if you're a kid also and it's not really your home and it's kind of like. Sure. 
Yeah. But I think one of the cool things about this book that she tells us at the very end is that when she started out writing this book, she was sort of anti-home ec. Mm. And then like as Mm -hmm. the more she learned, she was like, wait, this is actually really complex and really interesting. Mm -hmm. And that almost everyone she talked to said, oh, we should bring that back. Like there's stuff I want to learn. Yeah. That like that's kind of what I was. So Ben and I went on a walk this morning because we were up really early and I was Mm -hmm. like, so, yeah, did you like, you know, it would have been fun. I think there are things that I wish I could have learned that would have been really practical, useful life things. Mm -hmm. And like we take for granted that we have YouTube and we have like cooking videos and all these kinds of things that we have today. But I'm going to take you back in time to when we didn't have those things. And we had like people who were field agents who went out and taught women about Mm -hmm. using you know, new ways of doing things. Like Mm -hmm. we can learn now that like, oh, low temp is best for this thing or like cooking things with like cold eggs versus room temperature eggs changes, how they come out. And like all of these things that are scientific had to be developed by people. Like someone like wrote, (laughs) it's an industry, it's a a discipline and it, it sort of deserves that credibility in history. Yeah, I think calling it home ec or making it so separate is maybe one of the issues though. Like imagine if it was integrated in everything. Like imagine if it was okay, well, it's it is home economics. Well, but like imagine right. if like in your chemistry class you're not learning about random chemicals you'll never learn about, exactly. but instead you're learning about bleach and how it combine you're never supposed to combine it with anything else. So and- apparently it got changed to family and consumer sciences in the 90s mm. and one of the things she talks about in the, her conclusion about how mm-hmm. to bring home ec back is change it back to home ec yeah but also she has advance the progressive scientific and ecological view within home economics like yeah essentially yes like a lot of the women who really who went into home ec mm-hmm. wanted to be chemists and were told that they could not study chemistry yeah. that's what the book's about the lessons yes. in chemistry the apple tv show i was talking to you oh, about well then that's a lot of this because literally yes. like that's an important thing to note a lot of colleges that were co-ed were like oh we don't let women in our majors but you can major in home ec and so it became right. a place where like really smart women who were going to college who wanted to improve the lives of other women too mm-hmm. were like okay shoot, I'm here. How can I use my interest in chemistry to right. help consumers making choices, make better choices about the materials they're bringing to their homes? Yeah. that's Or how to cook brownies with Lessons a in mix. Chemistry <laughs> is about that. Oh, it cool. is about a, a Brie Larson who plays the lead character. Oh, she is a chemist who is a really good cook because she knows exactly, like she's like really doing the chemistry of like, okay, this is the heat at which these the flavors are going to be perfect. And she doesn't really realize it. And... Uh, the story's told congruently, like in two concurrent timelines. So the, the the future timeline is that she gets her own cooking show called Lessons in Chemistry, where she teaches other uh, women. Oh, that's so relevant because yeah. that's really what yeah, yeah, these, yeah. like there were these women who who were like the today, you know, mm-hmm. YouTube cooking resource, like America's test kitchen. Right. Like there were people who needed to go do that stuff right. in the world to yeah. help other people understand yeah. <laughs> how to do things. Yeah. And I will say in like my own space, now that I've got a space that like it's mine, like I paid for it and like the pride I have, like I'm a, I'm kind of like crazy about getting to buy new cleaning supplies and new this and I want to try this and oh, I'm going to try this new recipe here and mm-hmm. what thing and like what is the difference between beating something and mixing something and stirring something and folding in something like yep. there's a lot of really interesting yep. things that are like kind of hidden in our day-to-day yes, lives that exactly. have a lot of implications and I think that's like that's what I really want to drive home from the like kind of takeaways mm-hmm. of this book because like there is a lot that you I think we take for granted in terms of like knowing what we know now or mm-hmm. pass down mm-hmm. knowledge. Cause you think, well, shoot, how did any of this 
happened before. There right. were a couple, there's a couple of like snarly parts of the history because of snarly. course there's going to be. Well, where like some, there were a lot of people who were kind of like, oh, well, this is a way to make sure that immigrants can assimilate or like, like in terms of knowledge spread to like maintain good classes of, you know, mm-hmm. like good races. And there's like yeah. certainly some dangerous things like that. But the other thing is like, if you find yourself in Arizona and you need to know how to cook the things that are local to you in Arizona, you like that was part of their job was like figuring out, okay, now what what do you do with a poblano pepper if you've never used a poblano pepper before? Or how do you use cornmeal instead of flour if you're in a new location? Because now we take for granted like mega supermarkets and being able to right. get everything we need at any point in time. But like a lot of the, they were called home demonstration agents, right? A lot of mm-hmm. these women that were field agents that were going out and like helping people you know delivering knowledge or sharing new ways of doing things that were really really helpful Mm -hmm. that was a really important part of Mm -hmm. bringing everyone kind of up so where do you think you learned all that stuff because you were kind of asking me like where do you think you learned the most about cleaning keeping a home did i ask you that yeah you did so in the beginning you said where like did you take home economics and like where did you like who taught you and like I think yeah. I asked you that at a different point oh, okay. than the home economics. But yeah. yes, because I was saying that because the funny thing is in here, in like the early 20th century, there were a lot of politicians who were resistant to spending money on these home demonstration agents. Like they didn't want to fund it because mm-hmm. they were like, this is a direct quote. Shouldn't women just know how to do that? <gasps> but that's what I'm saying. Like the, <laughs> We're a born lot, like that. It's but like, a lot of things are passed down knowledge DNA. from your mom, right? So like there's a lot. But like, mm. and I think I want you to imagine yourself before electricity, before you could have a bank account like if you're i'm just saying like if you're living in 1915 and you're living in remote missouri you're gonna learn things because of your brother your 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 necessity your mother and your grandmother like Mm -hmm. if it's not passed down but what i'm saying is like this was an intervention in like this was also a time when we were like the expansion of electricity made women's lives in the home much easier because you Mm -hmm. could like wash dishes or you could like there were other things there were even just being able to like have light after dark. Like there were a lot of innovations where Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, rural investment in like electricity was a really important advancement for women's women's lives and like what they went through. That's a lot. Can you imagine like just these small things we take for granted every day, like electricity. Well, one thing that I do not take for granted any longer is my dishwasher because I went a yeah. whole year without one. And yeah. oh, my God, it makes a massive difference yep. in the cleanliness of my home and my kitchen just to have those things. But even not imagining not having those exactly. basic things, like being able to see after 5 p.m. Exactly. With something other than candlelight. When, but No, but candlelight sucks. But and also like it's in short supply. You don't have like unlimited amount of candles. So sometimes <laughs> I mean, they just did. had to like yeah, but it was go like, to sleep, you know? Yes. Or, like, yes. <laughs> or tell stories. Like that's yeah. a fun, that's sit a fun by, thing. By. Yes. I guess the hearth, like you would sit by, sit around like the, the yeah. fire. Yeah. Mm. But I, I wanted to share a couple of really interesting things that were fun that I just was like interesting to know. So firstly, a, shocking to no one, the... World War One and World War Two were influential in informing kind of like what was needed of home economics mm-hmm. in terms of especially understanding diet and what soldiers would need to eat. So mm. for, I think, World War One, they hired 350 dietitians and they were the first <gasps> woman, women to serve in a U.S. war that weren't nurses. That's so cool. Like, that's really neat. Like that's like there's like the really cool ways in which also right after that, during the Great Depression, the. Bureau of Home Economics, which was a bureau of the government for a really long time, hired a bunch of women to measure a bunch of 
white bodies Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. standardized clothing Mm -hmm. sizes, which Mm -hmm. while systemically racist in nature has an element of like an important like, okay, we're going to like figure out what our sizes. And so then that way we could have like the standardized system of understanding um, how to make clothing. Wow. This is also a time when JC Penney's was still like their primary business was not ready to wear clothing, but it was like by the, well, probably getting into like 30s, 40s, 50s, but like their primary, the, you clothes you would buy, you would buy fabric and you would buy patterns. No way. Both in the stores and through catalogs. And then that's what you, and then eventually they started shifting out selling fabric and patterns and oh they started gosh. selling ready to wear stuff. But like, that's crazy. it's just these things where all of this that we think about if you think about how important domestic science, right, and home economics was as a field, like now even being able to outsource what food we buy and what's available and having a recipe on YouTube or going able out to buy mm-hmm. a a garment to wear, yeah. like all of that neat the fact that there were women creating careers, building expertise and knowledge and sharing yeah. it with each other is a really, really cool That's crazy part of history. Yeah, because it is what helped. Like you see all these like war movies with like these advancements in technology, but like the women were behind the scenes making all that happen as yeah. well. Like yeah. you wouldn't be alive if you weren't fed the right Correct. thing. You'd get scurvy yeah. and die. Like Correct. get out of here. I want to exactly. see the TV show about that. I want to see the TV <laughs> show about those 350 women that had to figure out wouldn't that be so cool i would love it the, i would love it the other piece that's where i mentioned it became called like pr- consumer science in the 90s has to do with the connection of the acknowledgement of women's spending power mm-hmm. as consumers and it became clear by like the middle of the century that women were the ones dealing making a lot of financial decisions about what went in the home and so mm-hmm. con- consumer protections mm-hmm. For products and yeah. like if you want to know if the, like your couch will burn up or your there's asbestos <laughs> in your wallpaper yeah. like these were important things yeah. and, like and you take for granted like being able to go to the internet and look up something right. but like you would rely on yeah. resources in home economics to know these things that's true again with COVID I think I mentioned when I was talking about midnight mass that I was so sick on Sunday that I did so much Googling about like, what pills can I take that won't react with yep, each other? You just wouldn't know. You, I didn't. And I almost did make a huge mistake because I didn't know that. So NyQuil, I've learned a lot, is three things mixed together. It yeah. is an allergy medicine. It is mucinex, basically. And then it is also... Acetaminophen? Um, yeah, yeah, it is. So I was Googling like, what can I take with NyQuil? Because I didn't know what NyQuil was. I thought it was this magical pill that just helped with No, you flu. should look at the ingredients. No, you uh, should. The active medicine that's happening. You should. Yeah. I didn't. And I was like... you could accidentally take too much of that and then also take like yes. ibuprofen or Tylenol and you're taking too much. Yes. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. I genuinely well, did not know that. Olivia, you are 33. Look at the labels on your medicines. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you Home know, lesson for today. But I take that for granted because the marketing isn't around that. The marketing is called NyQuil. It's not called the three in one. It's called NyQuil. Right. And so well, because that's a brand name. Right. If you, if you buy like you, a you know what I mean. But look at the active ingredients. Okay, I did. And okay. so then I learned because I had Mucinex and I was like, can I take Mucinex with NyQuil? And they were like, no, NyQuil, one of the three ingredients is Mucinex. And then I was like, well, can I take this with NyQuil? And they're like, no. So Mucinex like, is also a brand name. So again, these right. are it's, things um, that have... Guafacinacin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to check if it's the same. Yeah. I just learned so much while being sick. Good for you. But it's just something that you just don't really Sorry, I mean, to dismiss you. I just mean like, please look at the labels on your drugs. Yeah, <laughs> I So I took Mucinex first and then regretted it because I wish I had... But then I was like, wait a minute. I can just take all three of these things separately. So I took my Mucinex. I took Indeed. Tylenol. And then I took an allergy pill. And well, it was and the specifically same thing. NyQuil has the thing to help you sleep though, right? Doesn't Which it? Which is um, your allergy pill. 
if you just take oh, a, yeah. a drowsy mm-hmm. allergy pill, it's the same thing. So Those don't work on me, isn't that? I needed to knock myself they out. They make me I feel loopy, but they don't make me sleepy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The Tylenol really did help break a fever and make my fever much less. That's really and good. And I'm not usually a Tylenol person. Usually I'm an ibuprofen person. Yeah. Because I know it like ibuprofen reduces inflammation and Tylenol helps, well, I guess, with like your brain. I learned whatever a lot. I was it did. I was whatever like, it did. Well, I also took Paxlovid for the first time. And it, that was the first time that I did have a hesitation. I was like, wait, this is what people who are, you know, distrustful of the vaccines. Like, this is a brand new thing that just came on. I'm going to do my research. Like, what are people saying about it? And ultimately, I was like, yeah, I love medicine. Give me the drug. I did hear a unsettling piece of information, which is that the more times we have COVID, the more we are likely to have long COVID. Oh, so yeah. I want you to. Yeah. That's oh I I was miserable safe. the entire time not because I had COVID but also because I was like this is damaging my lungs it's damaging my brain like you guys were doing the con- I don't know if you noticed but you guys were doing the connections every day and I was not participating because my brain I was looking at those words and I was like I lit- I can't do it like and it that's scary it's it's not good to know that your brain can't function that's how I imagine the all the hate that goes around and like the weirdness about like pregnant women and like pregnancy oh, brain no, they definitely and it's like there. that is so unfair mm-hmm. because that is mm-hmm. literally their brain function is yeah. changing and yeah. we're being like oh ha 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 it's like yeah. no like please let this person off the hook <laughs> like, their brain is chemically different right now right. and they can't remember words yeah well that's why i think accessibility like when i was watching midnight mass i had the captions on like the subtitles because yeah. my brain was just a little bit slower than at what they were talking i needed both to hear them talk and to read because a lot of it was like religious terms and like, you know, all this like murmured whispers. And there's no shame in having the captions. Yeah. I was like, but I needed it. And I could just tell that this sort of thing was so crucial to add to like even TikToks. And uh, they actually recently just added captions to FaceTime. So when you FaceTime somebody, because people who are deaf can now FaceTime. Yeah. And or even, I even just think, like imagining my grandmother, right? She couldn't right. hear right in when she was alive. Mm-hmm. We lived really far away. So it was right. like very hard to talk to her yeah. because that was our only way of communication. Mm-hmm. And she would just be like, Don't call me because like I can't hear yeah, you. And my that's so sad. the same way. She's like, well, what do you want? She's miserable <laughs> being yeah. there. Man, that's really yeah. interesting. I'm really yeah. fascinated about so home ec and it was uh, really neat. What are, did I leave anything out that I really wanted to say? Basically, if the TLDR is that like it's really complex and the question remains like, was it oppressive? Is it feminist? Like what like what is home economics in terms? But it but either way, the history is massive and it was incredibly influential and important in like the things that we take for granted today. And also in just like building knowledge and mm-hmm. science around the yeah. valid things that make our homes but just even being a homemaker and doing home things in general is seen as either like you said womanly or it's seen as a lower class thing have you seen don john with um not joseph gordon yeah it's joseph gordon levitt i haven't okay don john is about your typical like jersey guy he's like italian and he's like i love three things i love my my space my family and his porn like it's it's about a porn addiction actually but he is born into like an upper class Italian family and he's dating this woman and they go shopping together and he's like, oh, I got to go pick up because he, he's obsessed with his space. Like it's like one of his pride and joys, right? Like his physical space in his house? Yeah, his apartment. Okay. He like mm-hmm. loves his apartment. He's got all the high tech and it's like spotless and like he's just like obsessed with it. So he's shopping with this girl and she's like your typical like plasticky Jersey girl kind of thing. And he's like, oh, I got I need a new mop mop. And she's like, what did you just say? 
He's like, I need a new mop. And she's like, Why you, what you need a mop for? for oh, for your, your cleaning lady asked for one? And he's like, no, I, I like to clean my place. And she berates him for it. She's like, no, 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 no. No man of mine is going to clean his own place. You're going to get a cleaning lady. He was like, I don't want a cleaning lady. I like the way that I do it. And I, I feel pride in my place. And she was like, no. And they, they have a humongous fight about it. It's right. really, well, that's, that is how that perception is. Like why it's beneath you to clean. It's beneath, you're a man. It's, I mean, it's, I think it's, there's a lot of spaces in which that is challenged, but I agree it's not gone. And that's why we're, that's why this right. podcast is. But that's it's a like, that it's, recent it's, movie. Yeah. It's well, not recent. Maybe but within, I think like, it was, last. it seems like it was caricaturing. Oh, Like for I think sure. that the point is to point that out as a. Yeah. Like, like a crazy thing. But it's an yeah, interesting like it plot is. line because it's like, no, like men should clean too. Like men should know all of this stuff also because you're going to live alone also or be a, in a partnership where you're. And of course, we've talked about that in many previous mm-hmm. podcast episodes about the emotional labor and like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. My wife's going to clean it. So she's probably going to get to it and do it better than me beforehand. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, what's what's funny about kind of the evolution of like women being in the workplace and all this, it was, Mm -hmm. it's become more, it's pretty much no longer feasible to have a one income household. Yeah. Even living alone, we've Mm -hmm. basically made it very uh, oppressively hard to live alone. Right. Like you're, it's, you know, we don't, and I don't think any of us were ever designed to live that way. Not just in cost. And you posted this on Instagram and I just, I mean labor too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like we've built this 40 hour work week, which was not built for us. It was built for a white man. Expectation that there was someone at home doing, raising your kids, keeping your appointments booked, doing your laundry, cooking your food. Because doing a job for 40 hours and then also having time for community and friendship and hobbies and also keeping your laundry and your dishes and your house clean and and cooking every now and then. Well, cooking. Like it's yeah. not just like the cleaning. It's like literally just keeping up. Not with even your the house. cooking. It's going to the yeah. freaking store, breaking down all the boxes, <sighs> walking the trash can, figuring like, oh, I don't break down boxes. That's Ben's job. <laughs> exactly. You have some. I don't like. I have to break down all my own boxes, oh, and I have to think sucks. about. That's why you get married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call it. Come live with me. Uh, oh but what I mean is yeah. like so. This idea that that women then start in. Mm. like and i guess i'm over speaking here because mm-hmm. like black women have always also yes. worked but mm-hmm. when more women generally started working and people realized that it was more income they enjoyed doing it etc mm-hmm. etc et and then like even still we've talked about this but like the kind of white feminist view would be like oh mm-hmm. just off put your labor just have and then well then you're still having someone else clean your house and someone right. else watch your children and it's an expense yeah and right those are well mm-hmm. but also because we don't if we don't recognize them as labor that's the right. problem right? right that's like yes. the it's that's labor. the heart yeah. of the issue but it's really yes. funny to me to your point how like women took on all the jobs mm-hmm. too and mm-hmm. for less pay and then like you know collectively that the expectation was still that the men didn't have to also do the housework so then we you know mm-hmm. we're like mm-hmm. oh, okay so i am doing an oversized amount of the work at this point and mm-hmm. i'm using the royal yes. eye so. next time i'm gonna write it down we're gonna talk about dave ramsey do you know who that is he's a financial analyst yes financial advice giver yes. I, don't wanna, I don't think analyst is giving him too much credit. Uh, okay, well, next time we're going to talk about him and his outdated advice that he gives that are based on a 40-hour work week and somebody helping in the home. So let's yeah, put and I'm sure that, that person gets raises every year uh-huh. and has however percent in their retirement. Yeah. You know, 
Oh yeah, love the that. whole topic. Love that gonna, for those gonna, people. I'm pinning I don't know it. Who those people are? Yeah, I'm no. waiting to find them. I'm gonna pin it. We're gonna bring it up because I watch him on TikTok and my Ooh, jaw just drops. Maybe I should talk about debt. Yeah, I, let's do that. Okay, because I wanted to, I want to talk about debt, y'all, which is a book I read and it's yes. amazing. Yes. However, it did not feel like a good season opener because okay. it is pretty intense. Yeah. Thinking about money and thinking yeah. about the way that we understand ourselves in the world and yeah. engaging with money I need to borrow it so I can we're in times it. of inflation and mm-hmm. it's crazy and it was one of yeah. the most incredible things i've ever read and it okay. was amazing so it. we will talk about yes. toxic financial <laughs> advisors can't wait well this season opener <sighs> was resolutions home Some economics pop culture. pop culture we talked about the golden white Gloves. male comedian thinking he can come in there in the year of our lord 2024 absolutely not uh, let us know what your resolutions are and let us know my for my data if you're reading the same books you're reading based on different times in your life. Yeah, tell us if you have moods when you read and yeah. what they're based on if yeah. you think they're based on anything. And we'll be back. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Season. All right, bye. bye. This podcast sponsored by Let's Go Studio. Produced by Pod Squad. Additional production support by Ben Does Business. Find us and check out our show notes on our website at feminishpodcast.com.